I am a wife. You know, I'm a mother and I'm a grandmother. And I don't know about you, but I am really concerned. I'm concerned about our freedom. I'm concerned about our rights. And while I don't know all the words of the Bill of Rights, and I don't know all the words of the Constitution, but I do know that they are real. And they are our God-given right. And they are law. And I am part of we the people. And I am clear, if we don't do something now, we could lose it all. I prayed to God, tell me how I can help right now. I'm only one person. What can I do? God said, stand up. Stand up and do one thing and do one thing every single day and find people to follow you and teach them how to do the same. Find more people and spread the word and do one thing every day and then do another. We can stand up together and we are strong. We are the majority. We are not the minority. Join me today on Straight Talk with Marianne, and I will introduce you to people just like you and me who are making a choice to make a difference every single day. Welcome, Dylan. How are you today? I'm doing amazing. Awesome. I've got this great guest with me today. And when I was talking about, you know, people locally and people that I know, Dylan came to mind because I admire him so much not only as a young man in this um, community, but just the fact that he is standing up just like me, just like you. Uh, Dylan is the host of the Matrix, Matrix Breakers podcast, and he talks about current events and he talks about personal growth. And some of the things we're going to talk about today are some current events currently happening and events that happened in the past that really set up what's happening today. So Dylan, welcome. And uh, you and I have known each other. We we're just talking about that. We've probably known each other nearly, nearly a decade, at least seven years for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's been an honor to know you and especially being involved in Longevity, a great company and just the nutrition and something we've been passionate about, which is health and wellness for, like you said, uh, almost a decade, probably you much longer and uh, to be in the position that we are in today and then to invite the conversation we're going to have today. I think it suits both of us really, really well. Perfect. Perfect. Well, you know, one of the things that we talked about is how, you know, how did the medical model get to where it is today? And I got an interesting story. I, um, I was really looking for something for my son because he played competitive hockey. It's very expensive. I'm just saying as a mom. And, um, you know, one of the things when he would get sick, I would be like, oh my gosh, you know, he's got a, yet another sinus infection. This is crazy, which took him off the ice. And when I talked to the doctor, I was like, what could we do? You know, is there, you know, what about some vitamins, you know? And basically he just told me they're a waste of time and a waste of money and um, they don't work. So, you know, I walked out of there feeling pretty defeated, you know, as a mom, because you always want to help your kids. And I called a good friend of mine and she shared with me, you know, Longevity, a company that both of you and I are in. But what's so amazing is uh, he never had another sinus infection. And then I started looking what was happening to him. And I was like, hey, maybe I want to do some of that, too. So it's true. Probably over a decade, I would say as a mother, you know, as a wife as a um, grandmother. I mean, I have the, what I call a longevity granddaughter. My daughter was on nutrition the entire time through her pregnancy. When she was born, they just said, oh my God, we've never seen such a healthy baby in, in a long time. And, you know, that's, what's kind of happening out there. It's not only, you know, our people are getting sick, but our children are being born sick. And it's happening more and more. So I want you to share with us. I, 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 uh, I have to honestly say I've never actually seen this presentation. I got to see a couple of the slides prior to doing this, but I can say that I have heard about it and people have been really impressed. So Dylan, I'm so honored that you, you know, decided to join me today and uh, I can't wait to hear what your presentation is about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess to first and foremost, um, I think that 
the position that we're in today is really a something that progressed over time. Um, and in the Western world, which we'll get into, the reason why we have acquiesced so easily to a medical tyranny is because we've actually been in medical tyranny uh, for decades as it is today. Uh, we have a totally backwards medical system or even view on medicine in most of the Western world. You know, we look to pharmacia, big pharma, pharmaceutical medicines, pills uh, as a form of healing when we know that they are toxic to begin with and that they are chemicals that are chemicals because they are patented, right? They mimic natural elements that are in nature that are readily available, but in order to patent them and to make them and sell them as a product, you have to molecularly change them and then make it your own business, right? And then we've normalized that. And how did that become normal when that is completely unnatural? And there are great methods out there for pharmaceutical you know, uh, drugs to help you alleviate pain, uh, help you to get through certain, certain ailments like antibiotics and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's not like a terrible, awful thing all around. But in general, when you put a specific set of medicine as a majority of what I would call an entire pie of medicine, you know, an entire, a knowledge of medicine, a wheel of medicine, if you will, that has gone back since the beginning of, you know, humankind, right? We've always been healing, we're healing machines. And, and this is how we've looked at our lives and, and our bodily functions for, for since we've been around basically. And so to, to revamp that and to change that completely was, is the conversation we're gonna have today. And it has led to where we're at right now, where we are being, segregated in many parts of this country as well as in the western world like in australia and in canada today in canada they just announced that they're going to have a vaccine passport as well and all of this to be um again in a backwards medical you know model right to to, to think that taking an injection that goes directly into the bloodstream right uh is medicine is normal it, that's kind of where we're at now and that is just a huge deviation from organic and natural, something that we should be considering in every element, only looking to pharmaceutical and surgery as, a, as a, an emergency situation. Am I right? Uh, you know what? You're exactly correct. And here's the thing is that we have been conditioned to quick fixes where everybody's looking for a quick fix. Nobody wants to take the time, you know, to remedy the illness or disease or what have you via taking the process of good nutrition, eating healthy food. That's what, you know, I look at the food today, the food today is nothing near what it was when I was a kid and what my parents, what the food was that they were getting. And so, you know, that's our, our healing. And because the food is so bad and that's a whole nother story and that the medical model has turned into some type of synthetic quick fix of everything out there. And people don't want to take the time. They don't want to change the way they eat. They don't want to do the things that they need to do to help their body heal. So that has been a conditioning that is, we have been conditioned to think that way, rather thinking of how can we heal our body naturally. Now, that's not for everybody. I mean, there are a lot of people, and I know some, and you know some, who have healed their body naturally. And we can talk more about that at another time, but I'm, I'm excited. Let's hear what you got to say. Absolutely. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, just people are dying of, uh, of heart disease, right? Heart disease in America is the number one leading cause of death. A lot of people are looking at numbers and looking at death all of a sudden as of 2020. Um, but as I've been saying for a long time now, we, we've been in a health crisis since before 2020, of course, you know, oh, right. the, the lack of nutrition and the diseases. People are dying of natural causes that could easily be preventable given a lifestyle change, right? So yeah, without further ado, I'd love to... Um, just share this presentation I have. And, and um, for those who are actually watching, or will those who are listening, you can find this video, we'll put it on Rumble, uh, we'll put it on YouTube if it doesn't get taken down. 
um, but we'll, we'll make it readily available. So for those of you who um, aren't really are just listening, you might be able to listen and you'll still get value out of it. I'm just letting you know that you can watch it. We are showing a bit of a PowerPoint has some visuals here for all of you guys to, to take into account. And then I'm going to have Marianne chime in anytime that she'd like to as well. So um, if you don't know, I am the host of the Matrix Breakers podcast. Um, been doing that for a couple of years now. And uh, we talk about personal growth. We talk about current events. And I've broken down the matrix into a physical matrix, a financial matrix, a spiritual matrix, and then a political matrix. So there's all these systems of control. And we address all of them in the podcast and in different manner and, and have some great guests on there as well. So that's something for you guys to consider. Now, uh, to start, let's start from the beginning of this country. Now, I will say this up front, I'm not going over the history of all medicine. But what we are going to uh, we're going to cover today is going to be the history of modern medicine. How did we get where we're at today, right? And let me start by uh, sharing with you guys all a quote from Dr. Benjamin Rush. He is one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, and he was the first uh, United States Surgeon General. Um, it was called a different name back then, but he was the doctor. He was the, the nation's doctor, okay? And he actually was a, a part of the surgeries and all the things that happened in the American Revolution, and he was uh, by Washington's side and in many cases during that time. So a very uh, significant individual. And this is what he had to say during the, uh, one of the uh, constitutional debates that they were having. Uh, let me quote, the constitution of this republic should make special provision for medical freedom to restrict the art of healing to one class will constitute the Bastille of medical science. All such laws are un-American and despotic unless we put medical freedom into the constitution. The time will come when medicine will organize into an undercover dictatorship and force people who wish doctors and treatment of their own choice to submit to only what the dictating outfit offers. Mary, what, what do you moly. think about that? Yeah. I mean, if that's not, you know, uh, what do I want to say, like foreshadowing of what's exactly going on today. And like you said, it it's not like this stuff has just happened. I think um, it's just becoming more and more apparent of what they've been doing, you know, um, not in the mainstream media, because we know they're not going to talk about this, but certainly in alternative. So you got alternative medicine and you've got alternative ways to get the news on what's happening here. And this is exactly, exactly what, what in a way it has happened because they are in the process of dictating to us who and what type of treatments and what doctors we need to see. Yeah, this Absolutely. is crazy. Yeah, great quote. And everybody should like write this down or even record that and send it everywhere. But let's actually take a moment and let's break this down into what he's saying. Look, he mentions medical freedom. He coined the term medical freedom already back in the uh, right there in 1801. I mean, this is this is right when we're all we're forming our nation. We've already had a nation for about, you know, uh, 15 or so years um, with the Constitution about almost 18 years. So you know, this is very early on and he's already saying we need medical freedom, already saying it, right? What does he mean by restricting the art of healing to one class, uh, which would create a Bastille of medical science? What he's saying is that that Bastille is like castle, okay, which means like organization, structure. So he's saying that the, the, the art of healing will be only for one class of people. That's what he already predicted, that it would be a classist thing, that it would be of, of high class to, to actually be in control of medicine, okay? And then he said that at the time, he said it's un-American and despotic. He already knew that laws would be placed, all such laws, okay? He already knew that they would dictate something from that position of power. And so unless we put medical freedom in there, this is all the foreshadowing, as you mentioned, 
into the constitution, the time will come when medicine, what does it mean by medicine? Medicine means the whole entire uh, genre of, of doctors and, and all these medical scientists and things, they will organize into an undercover. He already knew they would do it discreetly. Mm. That's so important. He, would, he knew it that discreet, undercover dictatorship, not mm. an open dictatorship, not a, a tyrant dictatorship, but an undercover one. And that's how this all started. And a lot of people, so then he goes on and says, they will force people who want their own kind of doctors, who want their own kind of treatment. And those people will be submitted to or subjugated to the, what the dictating outfit offers. So not only are we in a place where this is obviously happening today with vaccines and different things, but they've even organized a way where they, you can't even be a naturopath in about uh, what, 30, 39 or 35 uh, states in the United States, you know, um, what is yeah. it like? 30, yeah, something like that. So that's almost over half of the United States. You cannot be a, uh, a naturopath. Okay. So they're already taking control of this. And so I just wanted to kind of really preface that. And then of course we have today, we have the vaccines, we have all these other things. And this is the idea that we think uh, we trusted medicine. There's this really blind faith that Americans had over medicine. They, you just don't think of, you know, in America, like medicine's political, like what, how would that ever happen? But of course it's political. Just like things are being politicized, like Hollywood and entertainment. Entertainment is completely politicized today, you know? And okay, that's all right, whatever. The NBA, I want to flick on the, the basketball game. And it's just constant propaganda and it's being politicized as well. So there, the idea that medicine would never be political, uh, that's a far stretch, especially when we have a, a, a real class of people that are into scientism, the worship of science. And I would even say anti-God, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, you have this, this position of power that they're in medicine. And, and I hate to say that, but there has been science and religion, and they've always been at odds with one another when a lot of things have, have shown through scientifically is that actually the Christian Bible and religion in a, in, in a general sense actually connect scientifically. That's for a whole nother podcast. But look, this is all completely wrong. And it was totally foreshadowed right here in Benjamin Rush's quote. And yeah, I think well, what you said, yeah, no, when, you, you know, talking about this um, and talking about the propaganda and here's the thing is that i've had i have had numerous experiences with doctors there are some really good doctors out there and then there's some not so good doctors just like uh there's some really good lawyers and not so good lawyers but here's the thing i think because we put so much trust right they've taken an oath right they've taken this oath to you know for mankind right to heal and help and I think some of them have forgotten, forgotten that, oh, that oath of humanity that they took. And so I think that's even more frightening because these doctors, people are believing what's coming out of their mouths. And maybe they're believing what's coming out of their mouths too. But a lot of the information that's going out there is not correct. And so how do you help people right? To do the right research and to find the information they need to find and know the people they can trust. So let's, yeah, keep going. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> For sure. It's a good point. So um, look, this is a really important key element that people don't really get. I, I coined it and I thought it was important to bring into a medical PowerPoint of medicine, a PowerPoint about the history of medicine. Uh, I put in there is why do we believe what we believe? So those of you who are just listening, um, I have a picture of a couple of the organizations I'm going to list off. The World Health Organization. We have the Club of Rome. We have the Rockefeller Foundation. We have the World Economic Forum. We have the Trilateral Commission. We have Club Bilderberg. We have Monsanto. We have Bayer Pharmaceuticals, which just bought Monsanto. And then we have the Council on Foreign Relations. When I ask you, why do we believe what we believe? Now, these aren't all the organizations, but it is because of these particular groups, okay? These groups are dictating the way you think about the most important topics in the world, okay? The World Health Organization, if you have the stamp of approval from the WHO on whatever science you're saying or whatever words you're saying, people take it as God, okay? 
Uh, look, there's the Rockefeller Foundation. We're going to get into the Rockefellers as well. But to this day, they still dictate policy, world policy, okay, in different nations around the world. The World Economic Forum, that, that's also an international group made up of, of bankers who dictate to the world economic policies, okay? People involved who are members of the World Economic Forum are, are heads of state all over the world. They are presidents, they are prime ministers, kings and queens. I mean, they're all part of the World Economic Forum. So I can go on and on and on, but really these are think tanks. Think tanks are like organizations that pretty much come together and say, this is what we have to convince the public on. So we need to disseminate this information. If you look at the Council on Foreign Relations right there, the Council on Foreign Relations is a Rockefeller organization made in 1920. And this was to control the media. But more importantly, the Council on Foreign Relations, you can go to their website right now, they dictate policy in the State Department. Every single, since 1920, every single uh, Secretary of State has been a CFR or what we would say Council on Foreign Relations member. If you're not a member, if you're not a part of that club, you will never be a Secretary of State, except one, which was Trump's Secretary of State. His name is Mike Pompeo. He was the first one since the founding of CFR that was not a member of the CFR. OK, so I'm just giving an example of some of the awakening that's been happening. But the CFR controls the media. You can see in these these little even tinier pictures. Those are major influencers in media. You can yeah, see you some black and white there. Go I ahead. was going to say, yeah, there's like I can see CNN and NBC and CBS. And, you know, something that um, when I was growing up, I remember my mom always saying, well, you know what they say? They say we should do this. They say we should do that. And I'd be like, who are they? Who are these people? Well, this is who these people were. And that's that conditioning. Like you said, why do we believe what we believe is because this is what's been just what I want to say, you know, pounded into like my parents' brain. I don't know about your parents, but you know, they believed all of this stuff. This is this is where they got their news. This is where they made their decisions. This is where they decided what kind of medical treatments they were going to get, you know, who they were going to talk to, what shows they were going to watch. I mean, completely, completely brainwashed it. Did I say that aloud? Okay, go ahead. Uh, yes. And they create the false dichotomy. So they might even have a differing of opinions in different news stations, but they're bringing about a topic that maybe we don't even need to be talking about. And that's called the mass distraction campaign. In many cases, we have a lot of those as well. There's a lot of things that should be in the news that aren't. So again, this is a way to control and shape public opinion. And here's the best part about this entire thing that I'm, sh I'm sharing with you guys today. The public has the power. These think tanks spend billions of dollars every single year influencing the public. That means why would they, you have to ask a question, why do they spend so much money? Why do they spend so much time over controlling narratives and curbing public opinion? It's because the public, the masses control the world, not them. They are the dictating outfit. They are only uh, the, uh, the chiefs the chief executives over these specific organizations, they have no real power, right? It is we, the people that mm -hmm. have the power. That is why they fear information like this so, so bluntly. We good on that? Any other comment on that? Yeah, Ryan? no, I agree. No, I, I totally agree. Totally. Agree. Yeah. Okay, so I've got a picture here, guys, of, of an antique medicine bottles. These are these are a handful of things, of course, if you're listening on the podcast. We've got headache capsules. You know, we even have cannabis and we have heroin that was readily available. Um, these are opiates, right? Pain, pain uh, relievers, things like that. They have a pain balm. Uh, and these are made up of plants, a lot of plants, okay? And that was our way of medicine back then. And I would personally not, maybe not right there right now, but back then I would imagine that some of these little bottled up, you know, products are probably safer and have less side effects than the pharmaceutical drugs of our modern day and age. That oh, is incredible <laughs> to say that yeah. I would trust that medicine, that medicine of that day. If it's just a bunch of plants, snake you know, oil, they were selling the snake oil, which was really good stuff. 
Right, right. And that's it's funny because there really there really was a scandal. It's funny how they take things like that and they expand it, but there really was a scandal. John D. Rockefeller himself was selling snake oil, but uh that's a whole nother history. But um, right, right. snake oil was a real problem, actually a real thing. And they were like, Oh my gosh, somebody's going around selling snake oil. So this kind of actually became a part of the a part of the American dichotomy. Even back then, they would demonize uh these kinds of things. And so uh, I, I showed that picture. And I just wanted to make sure to narrate for those who are just listening. Um, but look, you've got medicine in the in before the 1900s. This is medicine in America. So look, you have four different types of medicine. If, if you could classify d- different subgroups, but really the wide ranging ones are, are the following. You have something called allopathic, which is more of the conventional model. This is definitely useful during trauma-based Medicare mm. medicine. Uh, of course, uh, you have a um, uh, surgery, things like that. But of course, allopathic were still uh, conducting experiments like bloodletting back then. They were bloodletting. So they were thinking if you had some kind of disease, it meant you had dirty blood, right? Which they kind of, they, they had it, they almost had it, but they thought that if they drained your blood, that somehow that would help you, right? Of course, we found out later that that was a total false falsehood. <laughs> and um, you'd, be, you'd be funny because even back then, um, people out in the country that were expanding in the Western parts of America, the places like in Ohio and Tennessee and, and as far as Texas, they just had this really mistrust of, you know, um, of, of medicine on the East coast. This was like an East coast thing where the allopathy, you have to travel to go get surgery and stuff like that. Cause all the surgeons were there and things like that. And so that's kind of how medicine was. So really medicine was, it wasn't even as profitable from what I understand in my study of this history, it was not a profitable venture. And a lot of doctors mm-hmm. just weren't trusted. And it was for a richer class if you wanted to go to the doctor. But more importantly, you had people like naturopathy, right? Naturopathics, uh, which focus on a healthy lifestyle. They think to you, okay, well, look, you have this issue, but why don't you change your lifestyle a little bit? And maybe this, this problem will go away. That's kind of their mindset on things, just generally speaking. Of course, naturopaths are very in-depth. And, and, and today, I would consider them very clinical even. Um, uh, the next part of, of home of medicine back then was homeopathy, right? They focused on holistic treatment. So if you come in with some kind of, you know, stomach ache or stomach ailment or, or a kidney illness, you know, the, the homeopathic doctor doesn't look at you with a specific problem in the kidneys. They look at you as a whole, right? And they want to address the wholeness that you are. And once we address the holistic nature of who you are, then these smaller problems that will be that the more specific ones you're having will eventually work themselves out, right? I would even consider that a holistic approach, which is like the 90 essential nutrients we've known a lot about. It's a holistic approach, right? Sometimes Wallach can just say it bluntly, but you're like, no, actually, he's kind of right. If you do take all the elements in, all the elements will be dispersed in the right kind of ways, especially if you have injuries, things like that. Your body knows where the traumas are in the body. So, you know, they'll be able to facilitate nutrients and the flow of the blood to go into specific areas, right? And the last kind of medicine is called eclectic. Eclectic medicine is like the botanical and herbal medicine. And what's very interesting is that Native Americans obviously existed in America. We don't even know how much further back they were before Christopher Columbus arrived and and then later England and France and all these other European nations to colonize. But we do know that they had a great amount of medicine uh, concepts around plants, and they were able to help merge allopathic uh, teachings at the time and naturopathic and, and put them together with plants. So this was something there were Native American like elders and, 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 and medicine men, what they would call them. They were teaching mm-hmm. in college classes in the 1800s. This is a, I'm not just saying that this is the part of medicine that we have. There were colleges and institutions, very, very well off, well, well to do institutions that would be teaching this kind of medicine. Any thoughts on that, Marianne? Well, I actually, my great, I think my great, great grandma, uh, graduated as a, uh, woman naturopath and she was the first woman in this, I can't remember what the college was, but, um, to graduate as a naturopath doctor back in, yeah, I'm sure the early 18s, 1800s, I have to get more details on that, but isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, I saw the picture, you know, and she's in the picture. So, but I, you know, here's the thing is, you know, on here, you talk about cannabis and, you know, CBD and CBG again, that has been something that has incredible healing properties that has been demonized. Mm 
demonize, demonize, demonize about what results that you can get, uh, anti-inflammation, you know, all types of things and, and what it took, right. To get that back into really, um, our culture, because it was so demonized that, uh, you know, nobody wanted to touch it with a 10 foot, foot pole. And so, you know, basically in that, uh, the farming bill, which I'm going to have that gentleman on, on my show in the future, who wrote yeah. the actual farming bill, uh, to get the, um, you know, cannabis, am I saying it right? Cannabis, CBD, cannabis, yeah, CBD, uh-huh. CBG, um, you know, products available, you know, not only in a medical way, but, um, you know, holistically as well. So great stuff. Great yeah, stuff. Absolutely. I think I've seen yeah. some of this stuff back in the day. <laughs> yeah. 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 Funny enough. So the, yeah, cannabis has been, they've knew, they knew about cannabis in a wide ranging way. I mean, they had, they already had the names, they had the names Indica, Sativa, they already had the strains. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is incredible. So it's a, it's a whole industry that basically died. And we're going to talk about how that even happened. So mm-hmm. what's important is uh, John D. Rockefeller plays a very important role in medicine. How did that happen? And, and I want to preface by saying this. He is not alone. There are other people, the Carnegies and other, other very influential figures that weighed in on medicine. And they wanted to rebrand it. That's a good way of putting it. Uh, but they wanted to destroy that what was what was medicine back then and then rebuild it from the ground up like a phoenix. That's really what Rockefeller did. And let me tell you how that even happened. John D. Rockefeller was very intelligent where he got petroleum back in the 1870s was where he hit his big mark in Ohio. And what happened was he started to utilize all aspects of oil. He realized that oil could be used in different products and it wasn't just good for oil lamps. Back then there was no electricity, right? So the big oil was actually not for cars, obviously, not for electricity, nothing like that. It was not for engines because that wasn't even a thing yet. It was for candles, right? Lanterns. And every home across the United States obviously used oil to light and, and light those candles and light those lanterns and keep them lit, right? Even the nicest parts of, of America and also the most rugged and rural parts of America used this oil. So what happened was uh, John wanted to expand his business. And he said, look, I mean, petroleum and, and oil could be made up in this and made up in that. If you just extract the oil and and put it into its base layer, and then you can re- reconnect it, reconvene it into all kinds of products, right? And that's when this German chemist was the first to develop aspirin in the 1890s. And he did that as a pain reliever. So he developed aspirin and he used petroleum-based products. And of course, we all appreciate aspirin, you know, and, and, and right, the, uh, the concept of a pain reliever. Uh, but this, this idea really just blew John D. Rockefeller's mind. He said to himself, wow, I mean, I can really uh, take my petroleum and put it into medicine and then charge a, an incredible amount for like what could be a really inexpensive product to make. That's essentially what happened here. He decided to get into the medicine industry, but because people were so skeptical of allopathic and they were so skeptical of doctors and the American Medical Association, and guess what? Generally speaking, if people fell ill and were sick, they went to their 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 um, their midwife, you know. They meant they went to somebody in the local community, and they and that local person, you know, that was a very a totally normal thing, by the way, to have a local, you know, a person who is dedicated to naturopathic medicine or had some kind of herbal remedies, all kinds of very inexpensive remedies to to handle your stomach ache, to handle your infection, to handle different issues in the body. And that was totally normal. So look, people didn't even need the medication that Rockefeller wanted for us. We didn't need it. We didn't really even want it. And people did not trust. That's the key word. Americans have a natural inclination to be skeptical and to question authority because we uh, had a revolution about it, right? right? So any thoughts on the Rockefellers and that whole whole deal? Well, you know, I'm just thinking about, you know, back when I was growing up, my parents never took me to a doctor barely for anything. And I just remember I had an infection in my toe and my mom just uh, gave me some warm salt water and told me to soak it in there and then let my dog lick it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it healed. My dog licked my toe and it healed. And um, anyway, so it's just interesting. Some of the remedies that were used back in the day that I, I still have my kids walk around on the grass when they don't feel good 
to get grounded, right? Yep. It's just go the out. little things. It's the little things. Walk around in your bare feet, walk around the tree 10 times. You'll feel better. And a lot yeah. of times they did. So anyway, That's all right. Moving on. Yeah. So, um, okay. So how did Rockefeller go about rebranding? Well, he, he hired a guy named Abraham Flexner. Okay. And this is guys, this is so important because this happened in 19, this happened in 1907, 1908. Cause it was like a two year program. Right. And what Abraham Flexner did is what we see the Dr. Fauci's of today. Okay. These are the people that are sort of in, in a position of power and they're, they're, they're what they say, what their reports are, are, are considered God. Okay. That's kind of where we're at. And this is Abraham Flexner. I would call him the, the Fauci of that time period. He was somebody who was a critic of all these other types of medicines, right? So they sent him on a journey to go, quote unquote, write a report on the status of medicine in America, right? And uh, for a lack of a better term, they called it the Flexner Report, but, it, but it's actually professional. It's called something in particular. Um, but look, the Flexner Report basically said that naturopathic doc, uh, naturopathic uh, schools and eclectic schools and herbal medicine schools and homeopathic schools and all these other schools, he basically said they're all hokey pokey. They don't know what they're talking about. And we really, really need to consolidate medicine into a sort of everybody says and everybody's on the same tune. And we really, you know, it's a real problem. So they made a problem out of what wasn't a problem. Does it make any sense? It's kind of like yeah. uh, the whole COVID thing. Like there's a flu every year. It's fine. We just, you know, we, we move on. But they made a problem that really wasn't there. So problem, reaction, solution, right? So they said, look, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and make this a real issue. So um, look, I mean, the media at the time was already in cahoots with the Rockefellers and especially the Carnegie's. Okay, they Rockefeller had a big broad vision for that. And he wanted to control media. He wanted to control the public opinion. So they really hammered the Flexner report in newspapers all across the country. By the way, our literacy rates may be higher today, but the amount of reading that we did during this time period and before then was very, very high. Americans on average, that was their form of entertainment. So when you have these, you know, long reports being sent everywhere, like the Flexner report, it convinced the American public that there was some kind of outrage around these other medical schools and that we needed, you know, this idea of a consolidated medicine. Again, an undercover dictatorship of one class. This is the thing. This is what pushed it. It's called the American Medical Association. So Congress let the American Medical Association, the AMA, be the only body with the right to grant medical school licenses. I want you to consider that. So you give one power to a, a particular agency, just like we got with the public health and the CDC. CDC's God now, right? This is what started yeah, and, the and, AMA. And the thing is, these things are, they're not governmental. They're not, you know, people that um, we voted in to place these organizations they're just um uh you know public organization telling us what we should do well they're bureaucracies full of bureaucrats right and these are like fauci was he been 40 years he's been he's, since reagan i think i mean how many presidents is that so there's just yeah. there's just so much there and it's it's incredible to think that these are the bureaucracies are in control as i mentioned with the council on foreign right. relations influencing the state department things like that so the AMA, when you give a particular agency that's not even government run, by the way, the AMA isn't really even government run. Um, the AMA is a, is a it literally is a class of allopathic doctors and allopathic focused scientists who run their board and their board, their stamp of approval becomes God in the medical field. And guess what? This is where this is what happens when, oh, OK, well, they're just looking for a vaccine passport for those who have it. Oh, so and so. Okay. Well, then what happens is they actually started to criminalize naturopathic doctors, homeopathic doctors, medicine, herbal medicine doctors. You were now considered, quote unquote, practicing medicine without a license, which was a federal prison time of up to 10 years, which is a complete outrage because outrage. these people, 
have been teaching medicine, have been the local people that have been trusted in their communities, that know what they're talking about, that have been using the same treatments that their you know, grandparents and great-grandparents have been using for years and generations. But all of a sudden, that's all going to change, and you could be arrested if you are practicing medicine without a license. And that is exactly what's going to happen with vaccine passports and all these other, you know, uh, these other medical measures. Well, if you come in here, if you, if you, if, if somehow contact traced, if you gave COVID to somebody and you're not vaccinated, then you know you're cr committing a criminal offense. See, this is the kind of thing that's going to start happening. Right now, it's just kind of socially. Well, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say we have to say no. We just have to say no. You know, I uh, read a little article about a mechanic that came in and said, okay, I'm going to, you know, require everybody here to get vaccinated. And part of them left, part of them stayed and said no. And a week later, guess what? No vaccine. And so here's what's so scary is people don't want to stand up to these organizations or to the government. And we are the people. They're working for us. And these organizations, the CDC, you know, the WHO, whatever. We don't have any, what do I want to say? Like, we don't owe them anything. And they can't control us. And so we have to stand up as we the people and just and say no. And guess what? You might lose your job or you might have to move on to do some other career. But, but here's the best part. It's all against the law. So everything that yeah. these employers are trying yeah. to oh, do yeah. are, are against the law. I mean, it's just like, um, it's like saying I can't hire somebody who has HIV. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's medically discriminating. Um, it's, it's doing all kinds of, it's, it's unbelievable. And so that's the best part is yes, you're absolutely right. It's the population that controls like you said, there's a mechanic shop. They wanted everybody vaccinated. They sent out a report. People started quitting. And then the and then it's like, oh, wait a second. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess the working class doesn't trust these vaccines. And again, all of this is going to come down to it. Maybe even another podcast we can do together can break it all down because I've got I've got the medical literature. I've read through it myself and I understand it. I mean, I'm not a doctor or a scientist, but it's pretty common sense about what these can do to you. And so it's really, really terrible and um, should be. If you haven't already, you should never get vaccinated. And if you have a Pfizer vaccine, you got a Pfizer vaccine and you're listening to this, do not under any circumstances get the booster shot. Doesn't matter what kind of coercion they try to pull on you or anything. You cannot do it. This is, I'm just telling you, warning you, you have to do your research, um, but we won't get into that right this second. Um, I mean, getting a vaccine is obviously people's choice, you know, but it's not really a vaccine, right? So when you are choosing know what you're doing, know, know what you're choosing versus uh, why are, here's the question. I never get this question. Why are you so adamant about not getting the vaccine, the jab? Why are you so adamant? Nobody asked me that. Why don't they ask me that? They say, oh, you didn't get vaccinated. I got vaccinated. They didn't say, oh, why didn't you get vaccinated? They just think that I'm some kind of conspiracy theorist and that I'm a super spreader. But I'm going to tell you right now, I've been all over the country. I've driven around the country. I've flown around the country. I've been, I was in Tampa at the, uh, I'm wearing my shirt right here. I'm going to show it quick. You know, the reopening of America with Clay Clark. I mean, there had to be 8,000 plus people there. No mask. I looked around, people people were smiling. And guess what? Nobody was giving me some kind of evil eye because I wasn't wearing a mask. And I don't want to be judged on my medical decisions. I've made a lot of medical decisions that nobody knows about, but those are my decisions. Those are my private decisions and it's none of your business. So why is it so important for everybody to know who's vaccinated and who's not vaccinated? The propaganda that they're pushing out there, you think separation happened with Black Lives Matter? No, no, this is a separation. That's what they're trying to do because if we are separated, we're not near as strong. But if we're standing together, we're very strong because we are the majority. Again, we are the majority here. Okay, mm, get going. Mm, Sorry, my that. little yes. rant there. I absolutely love it. And um, yep, absolutely. I think that... Um, yeah, I will just say that, um, look, I'm a hardliner on this. And this is all completely unnecessary. And uh, that, yeah, me and Marianne, especially knowing what we know with medicine in terms of nutrition and, 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 and holistic measures to take care of yourself. 
there are ways to do that. There are ways. To I'm going to say will, something will, too. I've yeah. had the CV19. I had it. I had it too. And whatever it is, because we don't even know what exists. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I had a, a new flu strain that showed up. But you know what? I've I've got a strong immune system. I kicked it. Had uh, didn't have to go to a doctor. Didn't have to go into the hospital. And um, but the interesting thing was is that a lot of people who don't believe in nutrition don't have again haven't changed their lifestyle. Don't have um, a powerful immune systems right to kick it. This it. This could be the flu. I've had bronchitis. My husband's had pneumonia. I mean, believe me, there, there are things out there that can make you sick. Heck, a million, over a million people die from tuberculosis every year. Over a million people around the world. You don't even hear about that. I bet mm. that same million people, now they're, they've been added to the CV-19 death rate, just like everybody else with heart attacks, heart disease, you know, all these different diseases, suddenly people aren't dying from them anymore. We're just dying from the CV-19. So you guys, you got to just, uh, you got to do some research. You got to look beyond the propaganda of the current, you know, media out there. You want to go to an alternative doctor, go to an alternative news stream. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's crucial that people know that. And, um, you know, for you starting off your entire podcast in the, in the realm and the place that we're in, I think it's great and amazing that people learn what we're learning right now. And I hope you guys enjoy yeah. this, this presentation. So, yeah, I mean, um, on the finishing up this slide, though, look at look at this graph right here. I'm going to sh uh, show it uh, or say it for the people who are just listening. OK, it's a graph showing the number of medical schools from 1850 to 1922. OK, now, if you can see in 1850, there were 52. In 1870, there were 75, so they're naturally growing, so they're growing in number. And by 1900, that 30 years later, there was 160 medical schools. That included all the kinds I just mentioned, right? All the eclectic and homeopathic. 1904, six more were built. So in four more years, you had 166 medical schools, which was the peak in, the, in America, right? After the Flexner Report came out, these not only were doctors criminalized, right? All this stuff happened, but these schools were shut down. Look at this, guys. 166 brought down to 81 because of parents and people. Oh, no, I'm not sending my kid to this school. It's an evil school. It's, it's teaching weird stuff, right? And that's the concept. And that it destroyed medicine forever because they cut those medical colleges out and the only ones left were only allopathic and they were all just like flexner said singing the same tune that mm -hmm. is the critical changing agent by 1922 so that's important that's important that's what happened to medical schools and there's a whole nother history to that there's a whole bunch of pharmaceutical history and and big pharma growing in the 1950s and 60s. There's a whole bunch of history and we, we're not going to get into all that today, but I just wanted to get to that point where it's the genesis. How did the, where was that major shift? And that major shift happened in the, in the early 1900s, late 1800s, during this radical transformation of the country where we just totally changed the way we approached medicine. And ever since then, we have been more diseased and sick, Okay. Now, look, this is a very important document. This is like one of the uh, final slides here on the presentation itself. The Senate document 264, you can go look this up yourself. It's in the, this is a government website, it's a government file that, that was from 1936, okay? It was considered a national emergency at the time that we had nutrient deficient soils, okay? So now on top of this change in medicine, after about you know, 15, 20 years in 1936, we have the Senate meeting in, an, in a, uh, what's it called? A classified briefing on the agriculture situation in America. And here's a quote that I will read directly from this document. This document is consistent with testimony to the Senate. And just so you know, this person who is giving testimony, his name is uh, Dr. Rex Beach, this person saying this testimony is under the, uh, 
he's under perjury, right? The, 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 the uh, what's it called? He could be prosecuted for perjury, for lying to the Senate if he were to lie in the statement that I'm about to tell you, okay? So this is what he had to say in a conclusion to what they discovered in his research. This is the quote. It is bad news to learn from our leading authorities that 99% of the American people are deficient in these minerals. He's referring to nutrients, minerals. And that a marked deficiency in any one or more of the important minerals actually results in disease. Any upset of the balance, any considerable lack of one or another element, however microscopic the body requirement may be, and we sicken, suffer, shorten our lives. What do you think about that, wow. Marianne? Wow. I mean, you know, that's something with, you, you know, you and I being involved in longevity and nutrition in general, uh, we've known this for a long time. And, and that's what we're seeing. You know, people think disease, um, you know, just kind of shows up. But most of the time, your body is, you know, well, your body is in either a breakdown or build up state. Let's just face it. If you're an athlete and you're out working out and whatever, you are breaking down. So you've got to do something to replenish that, right? You've got to do something to build that back up. And what this is talking about, what Rex is talking about right here in this document is exactly what has happened in this country. And there's lots of reasons for that, I'm just going to say. Um, you know, that uh, it, we used to not have dams. And so all of our rich farming, you know, land was flooded. And in those floods, it was resupplying the nutrients back into the soils. Slowly but slowly over, you know, over years, you've seen these dams being built and the farmlands were no longer, you know, getting supplied the nutrients, the minerals, the microscopic, you know, uh, information that our bodies need to stay healthy. And so um, it, within a couple of years, the soils were not producing. They weren't producing like they were before. And that's a whole nother show. Yeah. But that's when, right, chemical fertilization. This is not putting nutrients back in the soil, folks. This is only making sure that the corn grows green and yellow doesn't mean it's got nutrients in it, just the fact that it grows. And pesticides, right? Because pests, pests, pesticides, insects feed on dead things. Do you notice that? Like something dies and right away they're on there, they're eating it up. Well, guess what? Why are they eating our current farming foods that we, why is it so um, imperative that we use pesticides? Because the, they know that our food that we're growing right now is not healthy. It's not healthy and they're eating it. So again, that's all for another story. Is this the last slide? Yeah, this was the last slide on this particular part. Uh, yeah. well, I guess I do have this kind of a rounding overview of the sick model. Okay, but, um, perfect. Yeah, this is it. Uh, so the sick model, for those of you just listening, it's a cycle of business. So there's a concept here. I just put it there. Uh, cure someone with inexpensive treatments quickly or treat them with profitable medications for their entire life? That's a question. And that is the model they decided on. They'd rather treat people, uh, treat the symptoms of a particular issue with profitable medications. And uh, we have a quote here. Well, not even really a quote, but kind of a saying that Dr. Wallach likes to say, which is managing rim symptoms without addressing the root cause is equivalent to cutting the wire to the warning light in your car. Your car may not break down right away and you won't have to see the dreaded check engine light, but eventually your engine will fail. And this is encompassing all of this, uh, with the nutritional deficiencies, the, the medications that do kill people up to 100,000, they did a study, 100,000 a year die from pharmaceutical drugs prescribed by their doctor perfectly. So taken and prescribed by their doctor perfectly, they're still dying of their prescription medication. So there's all these different issues, okay? And we're all sick, but we all have to realize that this, 
getting scared of the flu when you're dying, when you're smoking cigarettes every day, or when you're dying of heart disease on average, or you're, you're a diabetic, you have bigger issues to worry about. Yes. Can a COVID take you down if you have preconditions or can any flu take you out if you have preconditions? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Of course, but you cannot live your life afraid of a virus, right? And this is why we are where we are. We have to recognize the individual power that we do in fact have, right? And I'll say this as a quote by Thomas Edison to finish. The doctor of the future will give no medication, but will interest his patients in the care of the human frame, diet, and in the cause and prevention of disease. That is where we have to shift our mindset. It's where me and Marianne have been in our mindset for over a decade when it comes to the body, when it comes to our health. We realize how we work, how the body functions. And so when we are being uh, propagandized by the media to be in fear of particular ailments or issues, even if there was, even if the media you know, had heart disease as a major issue and made that the biggest thing ever and closed down all the McDonald's everywhere. I'd still say that that's not the way to handle it. It's not fear out of fear. We don't, we don't take those kinds of actions. We're always afraid. That's, that's BS. We have to live in faith and we have to live uh, with God's design of our body and do those things that are necessary for our body's health so that we can live a long life and we can live healthily. That is the whole point of really the presentation, but also, um, you know, our conversation probably today. Yeah. I, um, are y'all done with that? The... Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to say a couple things because like, you know, what we we're just talking about here, um, living in fear, right? So fear, uh, stress is really bad. It's bad for your health. And so guess what? If the more fear you're living in, you're probably even more susceptible, right? To what's happening out here as far as, and I think what they've just discovered is that uh, this might not be a virus at all. This might be a bacteria. And how are, how have they, um, you know, gone about exposing, uh, you know, people to this, uh, to this bacteria. So um, I haven't, I mean, I am an anti-masker. Somebody told me it was plastered all over my Facebook page. I had to go back and look at that. And I didn't really say anything about it. And, um, but you know what? I am. I've been into stores and they've told me I had to wear a mask. And I just look at them and say, I don't want to wear a mask. And uh, I said, so I can leave. And they're like, well, we don't want you to leave. And I said, okay, I'm not going to wear a mask. Oh, but you have to wear a mask. Well, then I'm going to leave. And, um, and I've done that you know, several times. Most mm -hmm. of the time I walked all the way through DIA, no mask on, walked past three cops. They just, I mean, like if everyone in that airport was not wearing a mask, who are they going to talk to? Who are they going to tell, oh, you need to put a mask on, right? And so it's, and people think that there, there's some virtue to wearing a mask. And yet one, we already know that doesn't really stop this. And two, um, it's very detrimental to your health. I'm just going to say. So I was talking to a friend. They have a little granddaughter. Our granddaughter is a little over two years old. She's never worn a mask. She's been all over the place. Um, we've been to family reunions, weddings, you know, what have you. And uh, she's never been sick. She had one little intestinal uh, thing. And we think that's because her stepbrother was shooting her shooting pool water right into her mouth with a squirt gun. Oh yeah. Okay? There you go. So she had the runs. She had the runs. Um, but you know what? I, I talked to another friend who's just terrified. Her granddaughter wears a mask all the time. Why would you let your granddaughter run around without a mask? And she hasn't gotten the COVID. She's only been in the hospital once because she had bronchitis and had to be on oxygen and all this kind of stuff. They don't even put the two and two together that she's got She's got lung disease, lung disease, um, pleurisy is on the uprise, right? Because these poor kids are breathing these, you know, germs and what have you in and out all day long. I've even seen kids sneeze in their mask and then they just breathe it back in. It's oh disgusting. my gosh. It's I see disgusting. adults do that. Yeah. 
Yeah, they can. and so, you know, people are terrified over something that there's nothing to be terrified about. Have people died? Yeah, they've died. I've had people die of cancer. I've had people die of heart disease. I've had people die of being obese and having diabetes and having, you know, numerous ailments with them. And if, like you said earlier, if they got the flu, if they got something else, you know, um, they might not have made it either. But the other thing I want to say is the protocols that the hospitals and the doctors have for this particular whatever are not good. They're not healing and they're not saving people. But there's other doctors out there that have been suppressed who have things that can help people get through this. And they have been demonized. Again, the demonized, right? Now they're wackadoodle doctors. These have been world-renowned doctors. These have been doctors that people have looked up to for years. You know, Dr. Tenpenny, Dr. Gold, um, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Ruby that's on, you know, um, Stu Peter's show. And let me tell you, I watch these people and listen to these people and there are amazing people out there that have information. So if you go to my website, straighttalkwithmarianne.com, I have a list and I'm getting more. I have a huge database and we're adding them on there daily to people who are telling the truth, to doctors who are telling the truth, who lawyers who are telling the truth about what's really going on out there. And, um, and when I was talking about standing up as a community, you know, standing up as a group, standing up as we, the people, we have way more power. So just, you know, leave your fear at the door and do something, stand up, help humanity, because really we're pretty close to losing it right now. If people won't stand up and do what's right and just say no, you know, just say no, just do it. Just say no. That's what I'm saying. All righty. Uh, I'll say this last thing, um, which is that, look, I mean, you have bureaucrats, as we talked about, who are trying to put in measures onto these businesses and all these that are exporting their influence to businesses to put in a mask mandate, put in the, the vaccine mandate on their employees, vaccine passports on their consumers that walk in and out of the door. And what's happening now is that they, it's like, um, it's typical bureaucrats who don't know business. They don't know how that works. But even if you have a population that's, let's say there's, let's say there's 30%, which I think there's more than that, probably 45% of people, 50 even probably that have not taken these shots that were skeptical and they're still not going to take them. They never will. Right. If you have, if you're losing even 20% of your business every single month, just chop 20% off the population that you're supposed to be seeing that are coming into your restaurant. Come, and it's say, let's say you lose 20% of your employees, 30% of your employees. And then you put in these measures and it's already hard enough to get employees because everyone's on welfare. So what the government's doing is too much, actually. It's actually backfiring because businesses, even business owners who like that grandma, that friend of yours, who's like, I cannot believe your child isn't wearing a mask, which is disgusting. It's disgusting. Mm -hmm. It's child abuse, right? Okay. Let that even that woman, let's say she owns a flower shop or something, and then people are quitting and then people can't come her. You, let's say y'all are friends or something. You can't come into her flower shop now and buy from her because you're not vaccinated. So, so what's going to happen is people even like her who love the vaccine and probably worship Dr. Fauci, have an altar of him. Even people like them are going to start realizing like, wait, I can't, it's going to be overload, computer overload. Like I can't, I can't run my business. I can't live my life and do everything that this medical tyranny is telling me to do because not enough people have gotten vaccinated. And it's a, if we stay the majority, right? We, if we stay or stand our ground and just say, no, no to the vaccine, no to the measures, no to the masks, no to all this stuff. What's going to happen is there's going to be a tide turn against mm -hmm. this entire operation, which is already happening. And that is why uh, even in Colorado, which I mean, it's I would say it's a conservative state, but let's say it's run by liberal like leaning. Yeah, uh, we I, don't I have any kind that, of yeah. we don't kind of have any mandates. We don't have any mask mandates again. We don't have any of it because I think personally, I just think the bureaucrats are too afraid to do it again. I really think they're too afraid. And now that be. the FDA, the FDA has passed this Pfizer, which is the worst, by the way, the worst. And I don't the think MRNA. it's actually passed. 
I'm exactly. He- I'm hearing they're saying yeah, that it's, it's like not a, official. It's, it's just it's just a it's just a part of this ap- approval process. It's all fake. It's all ridiculous. The whole thing has been ridiculous. Okay, but the point is is they're going to use that to try to do this even more. And uh, again, it's the worst one. So I just think that, you know, I think that our, this is our fight. Our fight is definitely on a local level. It is definitely like Marianne said, it's walking in without the mask. It's, it's doing these kinds of things, but it's, it's more, it's more in, in, in the local area, meaning your friends, the conversations you're having around people that vaccinated or not, whatever, just talk to people around you and open this dialogue because we are losing our freedoms. We're losing connection to what we know is right and true. And we are living in Dr. Benjamin Rush's nightmare, which is that this medical dictatorship is happening now. And uh, we just won't stand for it. And I do encourage all of you to continue to fight the good fight. And uh, well, you can always reach me at Matrix Breakers anywhere. Uh, I am Dylan on Dylan Suggs on Instagram and on Facebook. If you guys want to add me, connect with me. Um, it's D Y L O N. And my last name is S U G G S. If you type that in anywhere, you can find me. Even if you Google me, you can find me there. And, uh, yeah, I really and, appreciate uh, this. Nice. Yeah. I, I'll have this show will be up on my website as well. And I'm going to push it out to some other, um, venues as well. And, uh, this is my flagship interview. And I'm so excited that you, um, took on my offer. I know I've been talking about this for a while, so it's just exciting to have you here. And uh, thank you so much. And really, if you just want to know more information and have more truth in your life, then just go to straighttalkwithmarianne.com. And it's Marianne is spelled a little bit different, right? So it's M-A-R-I-A-N-N-E dot com straight talk with marianne.com for those of you who are just listening on the podcast thank you so much dylan i appreciate you i love you and this was fun thanks for coming on appreciate it guys we'll see you soon and we'll come on again